just going to give you a quick uh, warning. Uh, the series is called Sweat Equity, and so we're talking about things being hard. And so um, I went over this sermon three times. I'm long every time, so I automatically apologize. Um, but I'm fairly confident that you can handle it, okay? What, the reason that we have this series is uh, I started working out with my wife at this gym, and um, uh, I, I started thinking about how I wish the church were more like my gym. Um, everybody's welcome, no matter what kind of spiritual shape you're in. Um, uh, you're there to work. You're not there to be entertained and all these things. Now, again, like I said last week, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about other churches. Okay, you guys are awesome. Uh, I'm talking about, in general, the American church. And so the, the verse for the series is this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. That in fact, our life with Christ is not just a religion. It's not just to come and to hear and to learn 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 and to worship and to learn. It's created in Christ Jesus for good works. Like God created you. You are at your work. You are in your family. You are in your neighborhood. You know the people around you. I can't do your work and you can't do my work, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We were created to work. And so that's, that's the verse for uh, this series. Now what stops us from working? What what gets in the way? And I want to talk about one specific thing this morning that I think every single one of us struggles with at one point or another. It's one thing that can cripple us, that can debilitate us, that can get us so that we're not thinking correctly. It's one thing that can overwhelm us and overtake us. It's one thing that can destroy our relationships. It's something that if not checked can drive us to make poor decisions. And that thing is fear. Fear is debilitating. Fear ruins our relationships. If you are married, you've probably had that time in your marriage when you were fearful of how you're going to make it financially. And what happened? <laughs> you started looking at your spouse. Well, you don't need shoes. Well, you don't need a hammer. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's like, it's like it, it goes right in. Because why? Because it's out of fear. Now we have all sorts of fears. The number one fear in the United States is public speaking. Okay? So, every Sunday at this time, I'm scared to death. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. But public speaking is, is one, of, one of our biggest fears. You know, if, you, if I said to you right now, hey, come on up and uh, go do announcements. or do you, you would immediately start. Because when you're public speaking, you open yourself up to criticism. If you're, if you're honest, you're being vulnerable and you're just kind of exposed. And so public speaking. The other fear is the fear of heights. I don't know if you can get a uh, perspective of that picture. Every, like... Like every time I look at it, I lose my balance. So I can't, I can't even look at that fear of heights. Uh, people have a fear of insects. Um, apparently this child does not. Um, but I wanted to get my fears up, up there. You probably have your own. This is a huge fear of mine. Um, <laughs> and uh, 
has been one I've experienced far too often. Um, I can never, I don't know how people get out of tickets. Never in my life have I got, I actually did just last summer when we were on vacation. Um, but that in your rear view mirror is not nearly as scary as this in your rear view mirror. Uh, a fear of clowns. Who has a fear of clowns? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. Oh, wow, I thought there would be more. I'm just probably just bizarre, but they, they frighten me to death. Now, you're like, where are you going with this? Uh, for my sabbatical, I spent three months off the internet. Okay? Three months off uh, any type of news. Uh, three months off of Instagram. Three months off of Facebook. And it was glorious. <laughs> now, I missed some stuff during that three months. Um, I did not know that um, Houston was flooded, okay? I, I missed that whole thing. I think I found out about seven days after it happened, just in talking to people or whatever. Um, I, even, even now that I'm back, I haven't really like been back, back on the internet. I, I missed the earthquake in Mexico. I didn't find out until a couple days later that there was an earthquake in Mexico. Uh, I missed the riots in Charlottesville. I, I missed that whole, whole thing. Matter of fact, I still don't know exactly what's going on. But here's my point. I, I didn't need to. I, I didn't need to see that to know that we have a race problem in the United States. I didn't need to see that to know that we have knuckleheads that... As far as I'm concerned, I don't know how they believe what they believe, but they do. And my tendency is to, is to get fearful. The stock market is fearful. All of a sudden, your 401k can go crashing down. You know? that, that's scary. But probably the scariest thing on the internet that I could find uh, were, the, were those two. Okay, I'll, I'll take that back. Yesterday, we survived yet another end of the world. Um, so uh, September 23rd was, uh, I guess, kicks off some seven-year thing. But um, I'm kind of tough. I, I, uh, I made it through about four other end of the worlds already. Um, I've gotten past SIRS. I've gotten past mad cow disease, uh, bird flu, Y2K, and the end of the Mayan calendar. So I'm pretty awesome. Okay, I made it through all those different things. The internet and the way America is set up right now is there is a giant industry of fear. In our news outlets, all over blogs and CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and fill in whatever blank you want. They make their money by you clicking on stuff because you're scared. And that fear boils up and boils up and boils up. And you read an article or you read a blog or you see somebody's Facebook post and it's fear, 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 fear. But that is not the kingdom of God. And I, I, I put some verses down and you can uh, read them during our time, but we're going to do something else at the end of the service that I really want to do. And that, and that it feels like oftentimes by learning those things and being informed that, that we, we feel empowered. We feel like we can do something. We feel like, like if we, it, it'll help shape our opinion on things. 
But at the end of the day, we're just more scared and we're more fearful. And Christians, disciples, as we talked about last week, should not be scared of anything. Now, should you be concerned? Yes, if there's injustice, be concerned. But what are you going to do with the fear? Are you going to run to Facebook and post something? Are you going to reply to someone's post? Like, how do you respond to the fear? And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a specific place in Scripture where you can see how Jesus, in the midst of this turmoil, how he wants us to respond. And then I'm going to, at the end of the service, I'm going to call you to something that may be very difficult for you. So uh, put on your big boy and girl pants and... uh, We'll get through. Also, I haven't gotten cancer from my cell phone yet, but I think that's coming. Um, so here's, here's what's happening. Uh, Jesus, it, it's his final two days, okay? And so he was in the upper room, and he had the Passover. And uh, during that time, he said, one of you is going to betray me. This is, this is the big news. If you're on your uh, news site, that would be the headline, Someone to betray Jesus. And you'd freak out and click it and try to read up as much as you can. This is what they did. Their response was, well, it's not going to be me. (laughs) So, So here's the thing. Your rabbi, your teacher says, I'm going to die And the biggest thing on your mind is, well, I hope it's not me going to betray him, right? Instead of just where he's at. And so they start arguing. And then the argument turns to who's the greatest. It's so typical human. It's so typical when you're operating out of fear that all of a sudden there becomes this us-them mentality. That we can't talk about hardly any topic without there being an us and a them. And so this is exactly what happens with the disciples. And and listen, I know your us is better than my us and that your them is worse than my them. I understand that. So like when I say us and them, you're like, well, if he only knew my beliefs, he'd know that I'm the us and not the them. (laughs) You don't know what I believe. Okay, and so they, they start arguing. And Jesus starts this whole thing. Guys, we are not going to respond the way the world responds. We're not going to act the way the world acts. And so he begins to just talk to them like, listen, the Gentiles, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They have to be in control. They have to be right. The the rulers of the Gentiles have these knee-jerk reactions. They're part of the us. Not so with you. And then Jesus talks again about how um, he came to serve. He's, he talks about who's, who's better at the, at the table, the one reclining or the one serving? The answer to that is, is the one reclining. They're the most important. And Jesus again says, I told you, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to get riled up. I'm here to serve. And so then he says this. Jesus asked him, when I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? So what, he, what he's referring to is he sent the 70 out um, to go uh, preach the gospel and heal the sick and in all these different cities. And then he went and, and, and kind of caught up with them. And his instruction was, don't bring anything. You're going to find a house of peace. You're going to stay there and everything's going to be taken care of you. And so he's reminding them. Hey, remember when I sent you out? Did you lack anything? They said nothing. Then he goes into this really weird 
language that if you were reading it out of context, you'd think, oh, Jesus is starting a militia. Here's what he says. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Now you're like, oh, wow. Jesus is starting to like turn hardcore. Like this, this, this is it. I mean, Judas wasn't there at this time for this language. He would have loved this language. This is why he was betraying him. He wanted a fight and Jesus would never fight. And so it sounds like Jesus is talking about that, but he's speaking figuratively. He's saying, look, before I was here and I sent you out on errands and it was really nice and I showed up, but now it's time to think differently. Now it's time to be prepared. And I think our, the church in America is so gripped with fear, we're not prepared for anything. We just react, 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 react. And so here's what he goes. He goes on, he says, it is written. He was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. And then the disciples, because all they heard was sword, 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 sword. Uh, that's, what, that's what they heard. It's like my dog. It's like blah, 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 walk, blah, 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 blah. And the dog's like, oh my gosh, we're going on a walk. It's the greatest thing in the world. They just heard sword, 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 sword. So here's what they say to this whole thing. The disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. <laughs> like, like, we're ready to go. And Jesus just reply, replies, that, that's enough. That's enough. We're not, we're not doing that. You don't need a sword. I was speaking figuratively, guys. You don't need a sword. What I'm saying is you need to be prepared for what's coming. We're going to turn up the heat a little bit. Now, the beauty is they didn't have, I, I can kind of let them off the hook because they didn't have what we know being prepared really is. They, they were still thinking in that terms of, of, of first century and, and swords and all this kind of military thing. They didn't realize that we have a different kind of, our weapons of warfare are completely different. We have the word of God. We have the helmet of salvation. We've got the spirit of God empowering us. We've got the peace of Christ, which surpasses all comprehension. But we have other weapons. Our weapons are not of this world. And if our weapons are not of this world, neither should our responses be of this world. So he says, that's enough. Put the swords away. I wasn't talking about swords. If I was, uh, guess what? You'll need a lot more than two, <laughs> okay? Like, we're not talking about literal swords. And right at that time, uh, no, no, at, right at that time, he goes to the, uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane. To go pray. To be with his heavenly father. And so he's praying with them. And you guys know the story. The disciples keep falling asleep. And, and he says pray that you won't fall into temptation. And that is always taught. Um, pray that you won't fall into temptation to sleep. That's not what he was saying. That's not the temptation that's coming. The temptation that was coming for them. Was to respond in like kind. To those who were coming after Jesus. That was the temptation. They were tired, it says in Luke, because they were exhausted from sorrow. They weren't just tired because they hadn't had a nap that day. This was intense stuff. 
And so he goes to them. He says, ready, you're falling asleep? Come on, guys, we've got to pray. Pray that you won't fall into temptation. Pray that you're ready for what's about ready to take place. While he was still speaking to them about that, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you serious? Like, this is how it's going to go down right now? You're going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Like, what, what is going on in you, Judas, where this, you would think, was the only way out you had? Like, what? What? what, what? After all the, the time we've been together, why, why do you think this is your solution? Why do you think this will accomplish what your deepest desires are? Like betraying me is going to solve your internal fear and conflict? And what we're going to see here is all the players at this time, the Pharisees, the temple guards, the elders, the disciples, it's just this cloud of fear. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? Now, I'm going to stop here and give you a free, this is free. This isn't, like you paid like the cost of admission. This is just extra, okay? When you ask Jesus a question, you should probably wait for a what? You guys are geniuses. What was the question? Should we strike with our swords. Here's the very next verse. So let me read it kind of in context. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Like, I don't even know if Jesus had time to say no. <laughs> like, should we strike with our swords? <laughs> you know. How many times have I read online about Christians striking with their swords of their mouth, of their snarkiness, of their us and them language. I wonder what would happen to the internet if Christians, after they typed something, said, Lord, should I strike with this sword? Should I click send? Should I engage in this? Maybe it starts even earlier. Should I even go to that website that I know is just going to rile me up? Is there any good in my relationship with you when I get riled up? Lord, show me what is the ministry that I've accomplished by posting something? Show me, show me what I've accomplished by going after another brother or sister because we disagree on a topic. That might be really important. He cuts off his ear. Jesus answered, no more of this. Stop. We don't engage this way. Just because they have clubs and swords does not mean we respond with clubs and swords. There have been many, many times, I, I know this is a hard, harsh sermon, a sermon, but there have been times where I, 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 I'm online and I'm like, no more of this. It's ridiculous. This is not the way the church is supposed to operate. 
The church operates through gathering, not posting. Through praying, not posting. The church is relationship wrapped up in the grace and faith and love of what Jesus did on the cross. He says, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. Now, I, this might be... I read the Bible somewhat literally. Like if it says that he cut off the servant's ear, then he cut off the servant's ear. So I always had this question. If he cut off the servant's ear and Jesus touches the ear and heals him, did he pick up the floppy ear? That's disgusting. Like, did he reach down and it's just like, bloop, and he's like, ugh. Like, or did he touch the ear and then the ear just formed and now there's this little flappy skin ear on there. And the dude's got like two ears, one attached and one not. Do you ever think of this stuff when you read the Bible? Man, you guys got to read your Bible like me. It's way more fun, okay? The other thing is, because I'm somewhat, this is super shocking, but I'm somewhat of a germaphobe. And um, so if I were Jesus, I wouldn't have touched nothing. I would have just been like, there, you got a new ear. Check it out. Go, go look in the mirror, you know. And then I'd make one a little bit bigger because they were going to take me away to kill me. So why not have some fun with it, right? <laughs> that went off the rails. Uh. But think about this. Look at Jesus' response. I mean, own his response. What was happening was unjust. What was happening wasn't right. Jesus was innocent. And, and, and the way they, they came and how, at, at night, and they were breaking all sorts of Jewish laws at the time. And yet Jesus responds in no more of this. We're not going to go after the people who are coming after us the same way. We're going to be different. It's going to be different. Stop. He says to the chief priests, the officers, and the temple guard, and the elders who had come from, am I leading a rebellion here? That you've come with swords and clubs? Like, why, why are you coming? Do, do we... What are you trying to accomplish? And, you know, why, why is it swords and clubs that you need? Why, why do you need to be right in this way? Why can't it be a conversation? And he goes on. He says, every day I was with you in the temple courts. You didn't lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm the same I was in the temple. It's just that now there's this other place, this other medium that seems to amp everything up beyond what it's supposed to be. I, I believe that this information fountain of fear that we have access to, the internet, cable TV, all this, we were not designed as human beings to absorb all this information. We, we, weren't, we weren't designed to be able to handle it. Like we were designed to be able to handle the information in the society in which we live. And whether that went through an earthquake, we'd deal with that. If it went through something else, we'd deal with that. If we had crops that weren't being uh, grown, we'd deal with that. But we were not created to know everything about every other country at every other second in time. We just can't physically absorb it. 
And so it just, it's overwhelming and it's fearful. And when you are fearful, you will overreact and it destroys relationships. How many of you have kids and the kid's not doing that well in school? And so you have to keep going and going and going because you're afraid that they might not get good grades. You're afraid that they might not make it to college. You're afraid that, and so what happens? You keep going, you keep going, you keep going, you destroy relationships. You're afraid your spouse isn't going to get the raise they want. And so you badger and you go. You, you afra- you're afraid that you're, you're, maybe you're single and you're afraid that you're not going to get married. Or you're afraid of what people are going to think. And so you, you, you start to become defensive. And every place you go, and it's just fear and fear and fear and fear. Jesus says, listen, we, were, we, could, have, we could have had this conversation in the temple. But now you've chosen to amp it up to be something that's laced in fear. Every single person here, the Pharisees had good reason to be fearful. They were losing their power. They were in control. And now there's this idea that Jesus may be leading a rebellion. Do you know what happened in Jerusalem the last time there was a rebellion? It was led by uh, one of the chief Pharisees. Caesar crucified hundreds of them and uh, lined the road to Jerusalem with them, with crucified Pharisees. The Pharisees had a very good reason to be scared. They didn't want Jesus messing up their power structure. And so they were frightened of that. Judas was scared that uh, Judas lived in an occupied country. They were occupied by the Romans. He wanted to get the Romans out. Judas was very religious. He was a zealot. He, he wanted to see God's kingdom restored. And the way he saw God's kingdom restored was a country with great military power. And that was his way. And he was frightened. The rest of the disciples were frightened. Because now if they're going after Jesus, they might be going after them next. And Jesus, through the whole thing, no fear. And there was only one person there that really had a reason to be fearful. And it was Jesus. Then seizing them, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at a distance because he was scared. The... uh, I told you I was going to challenge you a little bit. And uh, I was thinking all week long about what, what the challenge was. I, when I first started writing out this sermon a couple weeks ago, I, I, I wanted it just to be a 30-day Facebook fast. <laughs> just 30 days away from Facebook. But we use Facebook for a lot of things. Some people are watching on Facebook right now. They're like, oh, sweet. <laughs> no, you have to stay, okay? No, you have to stay. <laughs> And people connect with their families on Facebook. And even Claudia was talking about this wonderful poem she, she heard, this Peruvian um, poet. So like everything else I come to when I get to these types of things, I, I, I would rather just put it on the Holy Spirit. Just give you some ideas. And then see what the Holy Spirit would have you do. Some of you need to stop watching the news for 30 days. I mean, you just need to stop. 
It's filled with fear. It's filled with outrage. It's filled with, they, they get paid to do that and they do it very well. Regardless of which news feed you read, right or left, center, whatever, they need those clicks because those clicks equal eyeballs and eyeballs equal money. And so you, you begin to ask yourself, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you can't get off the internet, you're on it for your job or whatever, but maybe you go to a certain site and you know what that site's going to do. You, you know, you know if, you, if you hate the right, your site isn't going to all of a sudden say, you know, they're doing a lot of stuff really well nowadays, you know, or vice versa or what, what have you. And don't get caught up on my examples. Um, but maybe you stop and you go, Lord, should I, should I strike with the sword right now? Do, do I need to amp this up? Do I, need to, do I need to respond? Do I need to know? Do I need to... And maybe for you... Maybe for you, it's a political show. Rachel Maddow, Rush Limbaugh, whatever. Some dude just got fired. I can't remember what his name is. But uh, maybe that's just, you just watch that every day and, and, and it's to be informed. But all, the, all you do is get outraged. All you do is get worked up. That is not of the Lord. And so maybe you need to stop for a while. Some of you, maybe it is Facebook. Um, I wasn't completely off Facebook while I was on sabbatical. I, I would go on just my wall or whatever, whatever one that, that I control, not the news feed, because it, just in case someone was messaging me for something, and I'd just check that, and then I'd be, I'd be out. But I'm telling you, you're not missing anything. You can get back on it in 30 days or whatever. For some of you, it's, it's, it's uh, you get a, you're on a newsletter in your email and it's time to unsubscribe for a while. Just take, take a rest. Prayer, prayer, prayer will always trump posting. It will always, it will always be better. And so you say, well, man, what do I, what if, what about how, how I won't know what's going on in the world? I won't know what's going on in America. I, this is so, I hate to break the news to you, but you can't do anything about it anyway, except pray. So if that's why you're finding out to just go to get on your knees and to fast for your country or your cause or whatever, I leave it up to you and the Holy Spirit. I know for a fact how the Holy Spirit works. You probably already know what he's asking you to do. Just to get some rest from the fear. Here's what uh, we're going to do. Um, and I'm not going to go off Facebook because I'm going to see if you guys really... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do it. Um, Audra's going to come up and she's going to play a hymn. And, um, and uh, we're going to keep... Um, uh, my slides up. Okay, Mark? Um, and so it's going to be a little bit different. Normally we'll end with a song and, and during this time you can fill out your connection cards. We want to get one of those from every family. And uh, if this is a week where you give, you can prepare your offering and we put the cards and the offering in the back at the end of the service. But we're going to be playing this hymn, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, All Other Ground is Shifting Sand. All Other Ground is Shifting Sand. And I'm going to show you some verses while that's going on. 
you have them in front of you. Uh, I wanted to make up a list. They're going to be the same verses. Um, of just how many times God tells you not to fear. That if, if you read something and fear is your knee-jerk reaction, that's not coming from God. No matter how horrible the situation is, uh, maybe there could be a righteous anger or whatever. But if it's, oh my goodness, what's happening? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen? That's, that's not of the Lord. And so for some of you, some of you, you might have a fear that you've carried with you for quite some time. There might be a fear right now, depending on who's in which office and what's going on. And you're, you are scared. And you might want to take this time to walk up, come to the altar, and leave your fear at the altar. And it's just a way of you saying, you know what, Lord? I'm not holding on to this anymore. I'm not, I'm not designed to hold on to this anymore. It might be the fear of your kids not turning out the way you want them to turn out. It might be a fear um, that your spouse isn't, you know, reaching their potential, or a fear that you won't be able to retire, or a fear that we're going to end up in World War II by, or three. Which, which one are we on? We're on three? Okay. Stay in school, kids. Uh, and that might be your fear. Like, you're just, you just feel out of control. Perfect love casts out fear. So you might want to just walk up, just physically just put it <laughs> on the altar. We'll sweep it all up afterwards uh, and give it to the Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we, um, we can't hold on to all these things or just not designed to. You have all of this in your hands. You know. And Lord... We don't want to just respond. We don't want to live in an us-them society of the church. We want to be people who listen to you and listen to others. To try to understand where people are coming from. And Lord, that ultimately, ultimately, we will be led by you. That our original call of discipleship, come follow me, will be our rallying cry. We are followers of Jesus. When he says go, we go. When he says stay, we stay. So give us wisdom, Lord God. Help us break the chains of fear in Jesus' name. Amen.